Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. So I have a very serious question to ask you. Yes. All right. Hmm. Are you ready? No. No, this is very serious. Okay, it's, uh, I believe the name of it is um, uh, Mary Kiss Kill. This is a family podcast, and we're doing The Wizard of Oz. Um, <laughs> so, no, I need to know this. This is actually really important. Mary Kiss Kill, the men of The Wizard of Oz. The men. Well, it could be the women, too. I don't know. It's, it's whatever you want it to be, go. And the witch would be involved in not the... Not the kill. Not the kill. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I would marry the witch. All right, marry the witch. This is interesting. Keep going. Um, oh, interesting. I, I would I would probably kiss the Tin Man. Now that is fascinating. And then I would kill the flying monkey. Really? Yeah. See, I have a completely, completely different set of answers. <laughs> Because I've thought long and hard about this, as one does. Um, clearly, uh, kill the Tin Man. Marry the Scarecrow. Hmm. Which I would think be an obvious. Marry the Scarecrow. Um, kiss the Wizard. There you go. Hmm. There you go. Okay. But that says more about me and my thoughts about Frank Morgan than anything else. So welcome to our podcast! <laughs> there we go. Um... So, uh, this here podcast, which has nothing to do uh, with the game of uh, Mary Kiss Kill, but it does have everything to do with picture books. I'm Betsy. I'm Kate. There we go. And uh, on this podcast, uh, I'm going to say what we do for a change. Uh, on this podcast, we take picture books and determine if they are classics or not. These are often books that people have already determined are classics. And uh, we determine, between the two of us, Kate and myself, if they're right. And uh, we have many thoughts on the matter, don't we, Kate? Yeah, mine aren't very educated. Yours are educated. Mine um, are like mine are over, over, over educated. They, they're they're so educated they have nothing to do with what actual people think. I think mine it's are, like mine are oversimplified. Mm, I would disagree. I would disagree. I would say that yours are. Uh, I would say pure. You have, you have pure. Do you know that's what Catherine means? It means pure. Really? Yeah. I actually did not know that. There you go. Aww. Random fact of the day. Elizabeth means peace. And so we're, this should be the Peace and Pure We're the podcast? Peace and Purity podcast. <laughs> Come here for our... Oh gosh. Because I just played Mary Kiss Kill with Wizard of Oz, so clearly <laughs> we are the Purity podcast. And I want to marry the witch, so that says a lot about my purity. You said marry, not kiss, so... Yeah. Mm, say what... Actually, marry the witch is fascinating. Right? And now I want to start a podcast called Marry the Witch. I don't know what it would be about, but I think it would be very interesting. Thoughts for another day. Marry the witch today. <laughs> Kill the two men tomorrow. Marry the witch today and then kiss a monkey. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or the wizard. Um, right. So uh, just before we begin, um, I do want 
to say I feel bad about our last podcast for one reason. It was brilliant. It went so well. Our, our special guest, James Kennedy, was a delight in spite of calling me a pile of garbage. But beyond <laughs> that, it was a pure delight. Um, but there was one moment that we fell down hard on. Um, we, you mentioned at one point that if you were trying to pitch this picture book to a publisher today, the best way to sell it would be, do you remember what you said? It's like Hunger Games, but with cats. That's exactly right. At which point, all of us, I'm talking James, me, you, dropped the ball because there was an obvious joke there. You know the obvious joke. Only because our brother pointed it out tonight. That's correct. <laughs> That's right. What is the name of the heroine? Katniss. Yes, Katniss. And it didn't, no one, no, like, no one mentioned this. I have visions of our podcast listeners in their cars, going to work, listening to the podcast, because apparently they all listen in the cars, because that's that's my mental image. That's mine. Okay. And uh, and then hearing us fail to say that and just and just you know, after having had to sit through my terrible John Travolta feline puns, and then we didn't even do Katniss. Yeah. It was a cat fail, is what that was. Pretty obvious though. Exactly. All the more reason. Okay, or maybe it was too obvious. Uh, so obvious we missed the obviousness? Yes. Maybe. A reverse obviousness. Now you're making me want to go online yes. and like look for <laughs> fan art where all the members of Hunger Games are cats. You know that exists. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you, gentle listeners, uh, have other things that you believe that we've missed, feel free to email us at fusekate8 at gmail.com. Today's book continues our spooky October podcasting. Which I did struggle at first uh, trying to think of spooky picture book classics because you can think of spooky picture books all you want. That's fine. But are they classics? Today, I'm sort of cheating because is this one a classic? It may be too soon to tell, but it did win an award, a major award, and for a that- major A major award! A major award! A la A Christmas Story. Is it fragile? It's fragile. <laughs> Which is also a Groucho Marx joke, by the way. Uh, yes, it's very fragile. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm quite uh, hesitant to pull it out because it's, it's one of, I actually own two copies of this book by some bizarre chance of nature. Um, and you, you've handled this book in the past, but I don't think you remember it, so. I'm pulling it out now. Drum roll, please. The Spider and the Fly. Oh, yes. The Spider and the Fly by Mary Howitt, uh, which is the classic 1829 poem. And uh, illustrated in this case by, by dear Tony Dieterlizzi. Or, as the literary trivial pursuit wrote his name once, Tony Dieterlizzi. <laughs> I sent him that card. I like the cover. Isn't it nice? This is actually, so I'm, I should clarify for people, this is the 10th anniversary edition, so it's a different cover than the original. Uh, one might say an improved cover over the original. Uh, I would say that. Because here's, okay, this, I'm, I'm just going to show you something cool. Because if you take off this cover, look what happens. You get like a movie poster of wow. the cover. Isn't that gorgeous? It is so cool. 
So creepy. And creepy as all get out. So you, my darling, are going to take this creepy little book into the other room. And you're going to read it. Okay. Okie dokie. While Kate is reading The Spider and the Fly, let us go to the quiz question portion of our podcast. So, if you will recall, uh, the answer to last week's question. All right. So, I, it, basically the question was, we were talking about Millions of Cats by Wanda Gogg. And I said, quite simply, in, in a moment of what can only be described as, uh, as uh, promoting my own books, um, which is okay, uh, I said, in my book, Wild Things, Acts of Mischief, children's literature, co-written with Jules Danielson and Peter Ceruta, um, was Wanda Gag in the sex and death chapter for the sex or for the death? You would think considering that, as James pointed out, her book Millions of Cats has the highest body count of pretty much all time uh, in any children's book, uh, you would be for the death, but no, 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 no. Turns out it was for the sex. Um, if you'll turn to page 198, uh, it gives a quick sort of, a uh, quickie sort of uh, summarization of the woman's life. Um, talks about how she... She actually had a picture book biography uh, by Deborah Cogan Ray, uh, and you would not think she would have a very adult story, but in fact, if you ever wish to have some fun, take out Wanda Gogg, A Catalogue Raisonné of the Prince. Um, and it says at one point from her biographer, quote, her life revolved around her work and her sex life, sometimes in the reverse order. Um, yes, and then we go into a little bit of detail. Um, let's just say that the words Linga and Yuri come up, and, uh, they are rather filthy words in this context. So, yes, whatever you want to do, feel free to read that. This week's quiz question, much simpler, far less tawdry. What was the last black and white picture book to win a Caldecott medal? Not honor, medal. It applies because this week we are talking about a black and white picture book. Straight up. What was the last one to win the medal? And we're back. You took a while with that book. Because I was admiring it. I couldn't stop Aww. looking at it. This is my favorite one. Really? Yeah. Okay, that really surprises me. It the, pleases me, but it surprises me. The illustrations are just... Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Mr. Dieter Lizadu. Does a fine, fine job. Fine De job. Dieter it, it is actually Dieter Lizzie, yes. But thanks to that literary trivia pursuit card, I really want to call him Dieter Lizzie Do, which he will not appreciate, so I'll stop right now. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Uh, of course, it's such a lovely book, but, but oh, it's so sad. None of our listeners know what the book is about. They haven't read this classic they... 1829 poem? Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> but they I don't, I doubt very much they've read the whole poem. I think a lot of people know, come into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. They think they pretty much stop right there. I don't think they know the full <laughs> verses and how it goes. Uh, yeah. So I think you should tell these bearded people what it's about. And since it is a spooky month, I think you should do it, like Dracula. <laughs> and I'm not talking about 
Mr. Gary Oldman Dracula. I'm not talking about the Buffy and the Vampire Lamo episode with Dracula. I'm talking about your classic, classic Dracula. I'm talking movie classic monster. Second blood. Second blood. <laughs> Pointy teeth, cape. Funny Hungarian accent, the whole <laughs> nine yards. That's Tran- what I want. Transylvania. Yeah, Transylvania Dracula. Like the Count on Sesame Street. Uh, That's uh, what we're talking uh. about. If you can count while you're doing it, awesome. Three, two, one. Will you walk into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. An exterior view of a darkened mansion, its sole light coming from an attic window, gives way to a close-up of the same window as a petite dragonfly in flapper attire peers inside at spider's lair, a Victorian dollhouse set amid cobwebby attic treasures. With an arsenal of Vincent Price expressions, the well-heeled spider uses food and flattery to entice his guest into staying within his walls. Some of the text appears periodically against a framed black backdrop, a la silent movie captions, while a silvery web is progressively woven in the background. <laughs> so what'd you think? I thought... A lot of things. All right. Da, 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 da. Boop, boop. <laughs> You're uh, the one singing all this episode. I, I was the one last time, yeah. Um, first of all, these illustrations are amazing. I know. Are you kind of, like, afraid to touch the pages because you're afraid that the oils on your fingers will, like, mar the matte black surface of some of these images? Well, it looks like they're all done in pencil. Yeah, it's sort of a graphite look. Yeah, and it's... I love it. Mm-hmm. I love... Love it. Um, yeah. I love that it looks like it's all set in the 20s. Yeah, 20s slash 30s. That was his influence, I would say, And on this. And there, you can, when they go back and forth in the dialogue, the text page looks like it's straight out of a silent movie. Yes, I love the, yeah, the little screens that you would see during a silent film Yeah, up here. I like that... So throughout the book, you keep seeing these ghosts. Mm-hmm. And they don't say anything, but they're ghost flies. Yep. Well, ghost bugs, I'd ghost say. Bugs. One's a well, gosh, he's a cockroach, I think, and then she's a butterfly. She's apparently her name is Madam Butterfly. If you go to his website, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, they've all got like the 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 fly is a damsel fly, so they call her Miss Damsel Fly. Yeah. But I like that the ghost. So the ghost bugs Mm -hmm. you see them at the very end because they are above the fireplace in their (gasps) i never noticed that their heads were mounted yeah oh and then also the bug that she was being served at dinner is there too oh my gosh that's dark okay cool (laughs) his top hat yeah. Turns into a chef hat at the end. That's nice, yep. As he uh, has his little knife. Yeah, I know. The, sh- the, the real creepy. Like, spiders don't use utensils, but it, it has a creepy flavor to it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I love that the lesson of the book is close off your heart, your ears, and your eyes from your enemies, or else you'll be trapped like the fly. Sort of. I mean, I think the lesson is basically like if you hear some guy giving you all pretty talk and he's a creepy dude, uh, don't go with him into his house. I think that's a pretty good lesson, actually. Yeah. I think we could learn a lot from this book. And then the 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 ghost bugs are there to comfort her. Yeah. At the end, like sorry, sweetie. Yeah. Though we did try to warn you, 
pretty much throughout the entire book. But I love her outfits. They're so 1920s So flapper. she was, yeah, okay, she was modeled on Clara Bow, uh, he has said. Yeah, I just love her altogether. Like, I love her shoes. I love her hat. Yep, her hat is amazing. What do they call that? A cloche hat? Yeah. I love her long yeah, gloves. Her, her, her gloves that go up above her elbows. Yes. Her little... <laughs> her many elbows. Her many, many elbows. Her multiple, <laughs> multiple elbows. Oh, I just, I just love how dark this is. I assume and... her multiple eyes are hidden under the hat. I mean, he's being so accurate with how many eyes the spider has. Yeah. Oh, I just love how creepy this book it, is. Oh, wow. I'm so nice. It's so nice to hear you say that. I was afraid you'd be too creeped out by it. No, this is, this is... Tim Burton, this is oh, yeah. Danny Elfman, this is, I want just to put in some Beetlejuice music, and, uh, well, his legs remind me of Jack Skellington from yes. uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, very much so. That was the, in the very beginning when he pops out and he has all these legs coming yeah. out, they, they're so thin and skinny, I'm like, oh, Jack Skellington. And they have spats. They have spats. I love that they have spats. <laughs> I love it so much. So let's see here. He was modeled on uh, Lon Chaney and old Dracula movies. Um, and quote, using a hint of Marlo Brando's charisma and Raul Julia's devilish ah, grin. Ah, yes. I can and, totally see that. And of course, Raul Julia, we think of Adam's family. And yep. so it turns out two other influences were Charles Adams. So there you go. And Edward Gorey. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. So... Yes, with his with his thin mustache. Yeah, with the teeny with the I would say that's a Vincent Price mustache. Though I guess you could say Raul Julia too, but yeah. that reminds me of Vincent Price. I assume that if he if you could hear the voice of the spider, it would be the voice of Vincent Price. I mean, there's so many details in this book. Like it's it's almost like a weird. Well, that's Waldo. why you took so long. You were just pouring over the details. Yeah, I, I was mean, looking yeah. at the wallpaper. That's that that is bugs. And, yes, and, and his footstool was a ladybug just then. Yep, a dead one. The bed is an old soapbox. Yep. Yep. Um, well, he found a great setting for it in general. Just a dollhouse that the spider has sort of taken over and made his own. And this room, the the dining room, has spiders as the wallpaper. Yep. Um, it's kind of everything about it, I'm just like, yes, I love, I love all of this. I want to find this Tony guy and just have him make my, I don't know, Christmas cards. Oh, well, Tony, let's, so let's talk, yeah, let's mention Tony. So Tony, Dieter Lizzie, uh, was best known before this, I think, for Magic the Gathering cards, um, as a couple illustrators have come from that world. This book comes out, wins a Caldecott honor, much to, I assume, the surprise of people, because, and we'll get to the reviews in a second, some of the reviews, not in favor of this book. I uh, Did not get it. Oh, yeah, well, um, I might as well mention it now. So the New York Times liked it, uh, believing it able to, quote, explicate the metaphor, Ooh. Uh, yet not, quote, diminish young readers' pleasure in the grisly doings one bit. I like that. But SLJ, School Library Journal, did not like it. Not one little bit. They said, and I will read this full thing because it demands it. Uh, it, it. It describes a book and then it says, quote, Yet this book also offers an addendum, which parodies the main poem. So at the end, this is true. It is at the end. And mm -hmm. presents a modern day example of why it is best not to trust strangers. It is moralistic, didactic, and unnecessary. The illustrations, too, leave much to be desired. What? I... I go on. The anthropomorphic drawings of spider and fly are unattractive and maybe <gasps> frightening to some children. 
As for the Stranger Danger message, the poem itself sans these illustrations and addendum would be a good supplement to books such as Dorothy Chlad's Strangers from 1982, Lord Bub, or Stan and Jan Berenstain's The which they misspelled as Berenstein, which is interesting. The Berenstein bears learn about strangers, each of which provides practical information about strangers and how to deal with them. So apparently this is not a very practical book, Kate. I think your love is misplaced. This is not a I practical don't care application. What they no. say, this book is awesome. Well, so did the librarians think because they gave it a freaking Caldecott honor. So gets a Caldecott honor, suddenly, uh, don't. Tony Dedrelizzi is hot property, and he was able to make his uh, Spiderwick Chronicles, uh, which was done in the same kind of creepy style, but with fairies, um, and, which were sort of early chapter books, and they were a big old success back in the day, which is to say about, I'm going to say like 15, maybe about 15 years ago. Um, and so he made a very nice career for himself, uh, all thanks to this lovely little book. When, when was this book? This book came out in, uh, okay, so the actual, okay, let me, I actually have this written down. The oldest, this is the oldest text we've done on this podcast, um, but not the oldest book. Um, the poem was written in 1829. The book was made in 2002. It won the honor in 2003, and it's set in the 1920s slash 30s. So it's all over the place in terms of that stuff. But, um... What do you mean the illustrations leave much to the imagination? I have no there idea. There's so what, much going clearly on Clearly they here. weren't looking at this book. They may have found some other edition of The Spider and the Fly because that makes no I sense. I mean, usually when books don't have color, I'm just kind of like, eh. You know, like the millions of cats didn't have color. Heather and two mommies didn't have color. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, it's, I mean, we really could have used some. This, no. The shading alone. No, yeah. you, I, if there was color in this, I wouldn't like it. Yeah, I no, like I don't think that I would it's care. In black and white. Yeah, now that kind of brings up interesting. So there is a black and white theory that um, children's uh, book honors don't go to black and white books. I'm not sure this is a true theory because I've seen plenty of books that get. Um, it doesn't happen that often, but then there aren't that many books that get published in black and white. In fact, I think he had to fight. I could. This could be apocryphal, so people take this with a grain of salt. My memory tells me that he had to fight to make this black and white. I could be wrong i could be mixing it up with kitten's first full moon when i say that but i feel like it wasn't a given from the start that this was going to be in black and white um it has certainly inspired other picture books to follow its example um i'm going to think about the most recent caldecott honor uh that's similar to this um which is creepy carrots by aaron reynolds definitely owes i think a bit of its success to this book sort of paving the way um, and it is interesting because it is a story with a straight out, flat out moral. There's the moral, kids. And there's the moral. Um, don't yeah. trust strangers. Don't trust strangers. There you go. Well, don't let them flatter you. Uh, if you don't... Don't let them woo you. Well, basically don't. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> don't go home with a creepy spider. I love that his hat has little holes for his eyes to poke through. I just love that so much. <laughs> So then they and he has out. a really long walking cane. Well, he's a very tall spider. <laughs> he does have a kind of a Beetlejuice look to him, though. You're right, with yeah. that black and white stripe sort of pattern. Yeah, too. this is... Yes, yes, this is totally Tim Burton. Yeah, he's, he's short on mandibles, but big on charm. He's doing sort of a singing in the rain thing right there on the <laughs> on the steeple of the, uh, of, the, of the dollhouse where he lives. I just love that. 
He's just so charming. Yeah. Yeah. You totally understand why she comes back. Yeah. And gets eaten, but, you know. And I, I do want, well, now, did you, but, you know, like the SLJ viewer mirror, did you find a little note from the spider at the end, like, an extra bit you didn't need? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was necessary. I don't think it detracts, but I don't right. think it adds anything. I mean, he talks about, I mean, he even brings in Charlotte's Web, where, yeah. you know, just like, spiders are hunters. Right. Even Charlotte's Web admitted as much. Yeah. <laughs> This feels like like he did the art and then he gave, he turned it in and the editor was like, you know, I think we need like a little end bit just to make sure it doesn't end on that dark note. Can we just like, because the last thing is her gravestone. Yeah. And her little ghost. Oh, look, her little, her little umbrella flower is lying there. Yeah. She can't pick it up because she's a ghost. Mm-hmm. Oh. I That's like sad. that. It, I think it should have ended on a creepy note. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a creepy story. I mean, it's, I mean. But I'm glad I pointed out something that, that you weren't aware of. Oh, no, absolutely. With the, with the heads here. <laughs> well, and that, that is so creepy. And I never noticed also that there is clearly a body on the side. Oh, yeah, there's a body has... here. There's a body oh, here. He's... There's a body oh, here. Okay. But that one has a top hat. This one has glasses. Oh, I think there's that. A, there's a bug rug. Oh, well, then the glasses would go to the cockroach. Um, no, uh, maybe that's not. That's what I thought too. But they, no, those they're are different, different. Actually, different you can. Okay, so it's just various victims. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's a creepy as all get out. I was very pleased when someone someone else had suggested this to me. They were like Spider and the Fly. I was like, oh my gosh! Of course, this is the most natural Halloween picture book. And I would consider it a classic. I mean, they made a 10-year anniversary edition, which they do not do for every book in the world, so. And it, says, it says here it's for ages 6 to 9. Yeah, I love that. Good luck with that, fellas. I read it to my 3-year-old the other day. He really? Was, oh, yeah. He was fine with it. He, 3-year-olds do not get disturbed by insect deaths. And he didn't mind that it was in black and white? No, 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 no. Young, young children don't care about black and white, as far as I can tell. Did you read it to your 6-year-old? Yeah, I read it to her. I think she liked it fine. She doesn't ask for it. Um, it's not kids do not clamor. Read me that one about unless they're into spiders. I feel like a kid who was into spiders would actually be totally into this book. And there are kids who are all like bug centric. So mm-hmm. yeah, makes sense to me. But oh, such a good book. Fantastic. All right, ratings time. Wow. Ratings time. But this is hard because is it a classic? Exactly. That's where it all comes down. We love this book. Right. Lovely book. So let's, I mean, let's think in terms of what we mean when we say classic. So we're talking about a book that we're insisting would be in a collection of picture books, you know, for all time. And based on a classic poem. The poem has survived. And it's a lovely poem. It is a great poem. It's very it is well a really written. good one. And, you know, like I say, the poem has survived since the 1800s, you know. Yeah, since, 1829. In the early 1800s. 1829. It's not even, like, the late And then 1800s. it's set in, like, at, like, 1929. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of forward it in time 100 years in terms of the look. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky one. I mean, I think it's a beautiful book and a, definitely a classic. But how high do I rate it? I mean, compare this to last week's Millions of Cats, a book that has survived since, like, the 1920s when this book is set. (laughs) And so... Yeah. 
And that book has managed to stay in print a really long time and that, continue I'm, to be read. I mean, I don't really, I, I didn't really get a, a message out of that book, though. It doesn't have a message. It's Whereas this has a very clear message. Very clear message, but is that a good or a bad thing? I mean, do you like, should all picture books have messages? So what's, I mean, your, what's your rating? Uh, you know, I'm going to give it a 6.75. So it's a it's a classic, but I think it needs to like a good wine. I think it needs to mull a little bit. I think it, I think it needs a little. Even though um, it has been more than ten years since it originally came out, um, if I were capable of doing math in my head, I could probably figure out if it came out in two thousand two and now it's two thousand seventeen. Okay, fine. It's fifteen years old. It's fifteen yeah. years old. <laughs> fine, fine. It's fifteen years old now. I don't think that is long enough to determine the classic status of a book, really. I would think you have to do at least 30 years um, to determine how well a book has survived um, to a certain extent. Because everyone who made this book is still relatively young, I'm going to say. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a 6.75 uh, with an asterisk saying, let's return to it in 15 years. Okay. So when we're still doing this podcast in 15 years, <laughs> we will come back to this book and we will, we will be able to, we'll, we'll pull out the little audio quote. And of course, by that point, everyone's going to be listening to podcasts streaming through their brains. Right. 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 There'll be and a then, chip that they can just uh, implement. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If I blink three times with my left eye, <laughs> I will be able to revisit this episode uh, and then we will know for sure. Well, I'm going to give it a pretty high rating. Go, you can do whatever you want. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it an eight. An eight. I'm going to give it an eight because... All right, that's fine. I like the writing. Yeah. I like the illustrations. Yep. I like the story. Mm-hmm. I like the moral. Mm-hmm. I like... It's a good moral. The... I The little hidden Where's Waldo things in here. Uh-huh. Um, I think School Library Journal was incredibly wrong. They are sometimes. Um, I, <laughs> I don't like the thing at the end. I think that could have been... Yeah, superfluous, but not damning. But, but yeah. this is... If I had kids, I would totally read this to my kids oh, around absolutely. Halloween time. Absolutely. Like, it's a fantastic Halloween book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really like I like this one. Wonderful. All right. So it's a classic. Classic. Wonderful. Time to talk about some listener mail. So, we got some nice feedback on uh, on Millions of Cats. A beloved book, uh, as it turns out. Uh, Julie, for example, on, on the Facebook, said, I did a cat story time for grade school kids last year and millions of cats blew their damn minds. <laughs> and then she continues by saying, I feel like the ability to make upper elementary school students ponder life, humanity, and the universe definitely calls for a star or two. Wow. That's high praise. Yeah. High cat million praise. Um, now, Marie, and I will, I'm going to say her full name here uh, just because she has a podcast of her own. Marie uh, Salavi of the Go Your Own YA podcast. This is a podcast where they consider YA books entirely from the early 2000s. Uh, it's apparently very funny. I will confess, I have not heard it because so I don't. This would have qualified it if it were a YA. Precisely, book. Okay. precisely. So when this book came out, YA books coming out at the same time. I'm assuming what feed by Tobin Anderson stuff like that uh, is what they consider. She wrote and said, uh, "I had a video of a retelling of this book. I would send to my evil ex when she dressed me down for wanting a kitten." <laughs> 
So it's had other uses, uh, as it turns out. Uh, but the biggest uh, piece of mail that we got uh, was from Elizabeth with an S, uh, last name withheld. And uh, she sent us a lovely email um, saying she's a part-time children's specialist uh, at the library. She's always loved children's books. Um, she said, lovely, your sense of humor is just exactly in tune with mine, so I love listening. Which is awfully kind of her. And then she says, I just listened to Millions of Cats, and I wanted to tell you that two of Wanda Gag's other books are equally or even more creepy. I actually like them better, even though I love cats. Nothing at all is about an invisible dog that no one can see until he is loved by someone. Very spooky, lonely, ghost kind of story. And the funny thing is all about an animal who eats up good children's dolls. I don't know if you have time to address these in the podcast during your spooky October stuff, but I thought I'd mention them just in case. They are two of my favorite picture books of all time. I'd love to hear your take on them. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Um, Aw, Thanks, Elizabeth. That's really super sweet. Uh, Glad to know that this woman is really well versed. <laughs> no, I, well, I mean, weird. Well, yes. Wendy Gog. She, she's well, oh yeah, Gog. Well, I, I knew of the things. funny thing, but I didn't know it ate up good children's dolls. That is the most terrifying. What this woman has issues. <laughs> Had and yes. Um, <laughs> Yes, apparently so. Well, yeah, and I guess, so we will not actually be able to address these books uh, this time around, but hey, next October, I'm going to be desperate for some books, so I'm going to bear these in mind, um, because maybe we should just make it a regular thing that we do a Wanda Gag book, Gog book every October, at least, because... Yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. W woman made some interesting sounding books. So thank you, Elizabeth. All right, grown-up things we like. Why don't you begin, Kate? So this weekend, uh, I went apple picking, Ooh. and uh, I'm used to apple picking in like 90 degree heat <laughs> in LA. So uh, that sounds weird to me, but all right, yeah, I will so assume that happens. So this is my first f actual fall apple picking, and it was everything I could have imagined. I uh, went to Yay. Wisconsin. We uh, the name of the place was uh, Apple Holler, I believe. Or as I like to call it, Apple Holler. Apple Holler! Um, they had cider, they had corn mazes, they had all sorts of apples, they had... Goats! They had goats. Goats! They, there was a, a cafe there where, like, you could eat more apples. It was... It, it was... So we, I wanted to go on Saturday, but it was raining. So we went on Sunday, and the weather was just perfect. And there were bonfires, and I'm, I'm up to my brim in fall, and I am happy. I am happy. Did you come home and watch the Apple Bottom Gang? That old classic uh, Don Knotts film. No. Pretty sure you must have, right? I, That's what one does, right? I watched Hocus Pocus. Uh, close enough. Okay. Close enough. We're talking <laughs> cult status. That actually has higher cachet. That was the first movie I saw in the movie theater. Really? Yep. I have heard, um, we were talking earlier whether or not you count as a millennial, and uh, you have just confirmed it. Millennials love that film. Yeah. To the extent where I believe they were going to make a Broadway production of it at one point, and I don't know if that's still going through... But I know it was in the works for quite some time, and I am not unconvinced that it will not still happen uh, at some point. I love that movie. I love everything about that movie. <sighs> yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker, man. Oh, gosh. And Kathy and Jimmy. Remember when Kathy and Jimmy was in films? Yeah. I remember, you know what I remember from Hocus Pocus? I remember the trailer where it showed very clearly Bedmen, they're falling into a school pool. 
which does not happen in the film. So they obviously cut this out of the movie at some point, but they use, they will do this. They will sometimes use like film clips in the trailer that are not in the final film. So uh, my clearest memory of that film is something that doesn't even happen hmm. in that film. Okay. Oh, and the terrible animatronic cat, which I may be confusing with the Sabrina and the Teenage Witch television show, which also had a horrible uh, yeah. animatronic cat. So yeah. Yeah. Hard to... Oh, and I tried a pumpkin spice latte for the first time. <gasps> and how did that go? Uh, well, I don't like coffee. Yep. So that that's a problem. So... <laughs> Uh, so, but I wanted it to be... I see be, a flaw in your plan. I wanted it to be my new food of the month, even though it's not a food. And I um, think it counts. And, and, and at first, it was uh, gross because yes. I don't like coffee, but by the end, it was quite delectable. Probably because the coffee had somehow gone, and you were just left with the pumpkin dregs. All sweetness, all yeah, and sugary, light. and... <laughs> What'd you? Right. What about you? Me! Me! <laughs> Things with me that don't involve apples or pumpkins at all um so i'm cheating because this has a tangential relationship to children's literature but is in fact a grown-up thing uh so i'm going to say it counts this past weekend i spoke at the center for teaching through children's books uh fall institute the name of the institute being indivisible 10 years later conversations in social justice it was very social justice-y Oom, just oodles of justice of a social nature uh, lots of conversations, very smart people talking about smart topics uh, as they relate to children's books. I conducted a breakout section uh, where for an hour and a half I spoke about the history of children's books and religion for one and a half hours. And uh, actually it was one, one an hour and 15 minutes to be completely fair. But um, anywho, it was super fun. Uh, they let me sell my book, which was very sweet of them. And generally speaking, it was lovely all around. So uh, highly recommend. Uh, there will be some, I'll put a little link in the show notes here in case you have some interest in seeing what people did. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Cool. Yay. Yeah. All right. Hey. Yay. A book we like. Yeah. Hey. So would you kiss, marry, or kill the spider? I would kiss that spider. I would marry that spider. I would kiss that spider. I don't think we are saying the same. My code, I think, is different from your code. We need to we need to align our codes here. All right. This is not the last you will hear from this game. I'm going to tell you that. All right. I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. See you next time. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow Betsy on Twitter at Fuse8, that's Fuse and 8, E-I-G-H-T. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Givens Kime, and our night watchman is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal.